to the Student of Money podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer. The mission of Student of Money is to connect listeners like you to a community of like-minded individuals to help you achieve your goal of financial freedom through entrepreneurship, investing, real estate, and personal development. This is episode 36. All right, guys, we got a really interesting guest on the show this week. His name is Jared Lutz, and he's the CEO of Decamp, which is a San Diego-based software company that provides services to people like me who do real estate syndications. And they're launching a new platform that is tokenization on blockchain. Now, if you're not familiar with tokenization on blockchain, you're going to want to listen to this podcast. We're going to do a dive, and hopefully we don't get too technical, but I believe in my heart that blockchain is going to revolutionize real estate, and it's going to be in a lot of other areas of your life in the future. So it's going to take a few years, but you need to know about this technology. So check out the interview, and then let me know what you think. Here we go. Jared Lutz, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm I'm super stoked that I've been following you uh, in the Facebook community, in Mauricio's community, which uh, is honestly where I think I found like the best contacts. Just the the high quality people uh, are coming out of that group. So right, right. No, I agree. You know, the masterminds. Uh, you know, I do a lot of masterminds. I do a lot of meetings, and 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 there's a lot of good groups out there. So you can pick up a lot. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, we. I think you liked some of my stuff on LinkedIn and you reached out to me and I'm like, definitely, this is one of my, one of my hot buttons, one of my hot topics. So for those that don't know you, my listeners, uh, why don't you give me a brief background and what exactly you do? Yeah. So, uh, yep. My name is Jared Lutz and, uh, this past year or in, uh, 2022, I, our team started a company uh, called DCAP, which stands for Decentralized Capital Allocation Protocol, which is really just known as DCAP Digital Assets now. And it's an investor uh, management platform for syndicators. So it's an end-to-end solution from the beginning to uh, to the end. So, so from doing the due diligence uh, on the investors and on the fund managers to the accreditation to the funding of the property, and then managing the cap table, doing the distributions, all the way into secondary sales. Um, so it's it's been a really you know exciting past year. Uh, we just released our MVP, which is the minimal viable product. Um, and so now I'm just at this point where it's really just education, just talking to people like you and telling them what tokenization is, what blockchain is, and how that's gonna impact the future of real estate investing. Prior to all this, I've been a, um, I've been an entrepreneur since 2008, and I've just been uh, really heavy in marketing and software development. So it started as a, uh, my marketing company for 10 years really ended up turning into a, a software development company. And that's where I got a lot of experience building applications for the legal industry, specifically asset uh, protection, as well as patient information. Uh, which is all these other set of complexities within a highly regulated industry. And so being familiar with coding in complex uh, regulated industries, real estate tokenization or real estate investing was really just a natural fit for me because I was already used to, uh, to working in these complex regulated environments. 
Exactly. And, and so syndications are regulated. Uh, the crypto space and tokenization is probably going to be regulated. And, and oh, I think yeah. we're going to jump right into blockchain and tokenization because that's my hot button. And, yeah. and, and that's really the, the main purpose uh, on what we want to talk about. And people are awfully People are familiar with Bitcoin. People are with cryptocurrency. And that hasn't always been the case. I mean, my son introduced me to Bitcoin back in oh, 2016, I think it was, when it was around $2,000. Oh, nice. And, and yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, what is this? Oh, this is for real. And then, you know, they kind of they kind of talk about cryptocurrency and blockchain being the same thing, and they're really not. I mean, people really maybe don't understand the difference. And and I made a couple of videos out there about why not to buy Bitcoin compared to real estate and, and the cryptocurrencies. But I also talked about one of my podcasts is the new Internet 3.0, where Internet 1.0, which was I was involved in back in 97, was just HTML, the World Wide Web, JavaScript, things like that. And then Web 2.0, is where now you have the Zoom meetings and now you have social media and all, all of this explosion of technology onto the internet that makes the internet now, you know, this call right now is over Zoom. It makes the internet now an integral part of the business. And then internet technology 3.0 is now you're starting to get things like, you know, VR rooms, virtual realities and cryptocurrencies. And now the blockchain and the blockchain, as you talked about in one of your videos, is really just a distributed ledger, right? It's just yeah, it's just a way to track, not centralized. So mm -hmm. the way real estate is done today, and um, you know, you get this thing called an abstract. You know, you buy a property and they have to update the abstract. And that abstract is a paper copy that is recorded at the county's recorder's office. This is my favorite part, actually, of how blockchain. Because right. it's so, because so, so, if you look at how antiquated uh, our information is stored right now, like on county levels and how easy it is to either uh, fraudulently manipulate the data or really it's it's just human error. It's some clerk that's filing paperwork or misfiles or, or when you're sending in like, you know, a form to, uh, to update the information, they get the name wrong. And then when you try to go sell the property, it's a huge issue. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably what the biggest impact is, is going to be on like the county record level. It's just so antiquated the yeah. way it's done right now. It, it's it's slow and 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 I've said this over and over again a hundred times. Real estate is slow to get into. It's slow to get out of because of the process that it takes. You have to put an offer in. It had you have to go to the financing to the bank. You have to have an appraisal. You have to have a title opinion by an attorney. You all of and then you have to record everything at the recorder's office along with the mortgage and and it's just that's why it takes. 45 to 60 days yeah. to close on a property and it's slow to get into and then to sell it you got to do the opposite you know it's slow to get out of a but lot of middlemen a lot of little a lot of middlemen and there's a lot of verification you got to go to a notary that all they're doing is verifying that that's your signature where now we're starting to get into the world of you know we can do digital leases with our tenants where they sign digitally 
But then mm. again, how do they really know that that's their signature? So there's really no accountability or ledger. So what blockchain does is it simply takes that paper recording and puts it on a digital ledger or what's called the blockchain, right? Yeah. And and this is basically just the technology that that Bitcoin, the currency rides on top of exactly that nobody really talks about or nobody really understands and then you have to have a thing called a digital wallet to hold that digital asset it, to interface with it at all to, to sign to process transactions it's all done through um through a wallet through a wallet yeah so I think I think one of the big things we want to talk about is the terminology, because I think it, you go over people's heads, but if they understand the terminology of what you're using, that really helps out. And, and I, anything in finance, it all comes down to terminology and what do you use? So in yeah. the world, you know, we're going to talk about blockchain. We're going to talk about digital wallets, uh, different the different platforms. But... Um, so let's just talk about blockchain. So there's multiple blockchains out there and multiple, they're like Bitcoin has its own blockchain. Ethereum uh, mm -hmm. has its own blockchain. How many different blockchains are out there and what do you guys use or recommend? Yeah, so we're actually building our own, but um, the, and it's a layer two on top of Ethereum. The, um, I, to answer your question on how many blockchains there are, there are out there, I would say there's probably hundreds, but mainstream wise there there's i would say less than 20 or 30 that have like decent traction um it and the majority of them are are actually just forks off of and that's a term uh to go over but are forks off of ethereum or forks off of bitcoin so uh, blockchain technology is largely open source. Uh, I mean, largely, I mean, like probably over 90% of blockchains are uh, open source where the code can be viewed by anybody and the licensing is free. And so what a lot of these companies did is they went to Ethereum and they took that open source code and they just forked it, which is essentially duplicating it uh, to its own environment and started tweaking with the consensus or tweaking with the code a little bit to uh to fit a specific use case and um uh, and then that's now their own blockchain yeah so one of the questions i had when you move real estate ownership over to a blockchain which blockchain do you choose i mean which one's going to be around in 50 years you know if i'm going to bet on a horse i want to make sure that 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 it crosses the line and it's still going to be here and and that blockchain is still a viable uh, technology in the future if you're basically betting your real estate on that blockchain. Yeah, so I I mean if if a real if you had your real estate assets on a blockchain in uh, I actually don't think I've ever covered this before. Uh, if you have your real estate assets on a blockchain and the blockchain goes belly up or or you know it's on the verge of doing that and you want to get it off. You just got to look at, you got to look at blockchain like any other centralized database, except that blockchain is a distributed ledger. It's not a centralized database, but you look at like Azure, Microsoft, or, uh, or AWS databasing, which is Amazon's, uh, database and look at it just like that. Like imagine right now people are storing their records somewhere, right? They're probably storing them on Amazon. 
uh, it, or Azure. And let's say Amazon was going to get rid of their digital, uh, their digital side of their business. And so you would just then move your assets from the Amazon servers to, uh, to Azure, to Microsoft servers or whatever production environment you want. And that's really just the same thing. So like if, if the, if you have them on Ethereum and you want to go to a different chain, uh, you really can just migrate them over there. If, if they're compatible, which is EVM, which is a, uh, Ethereum virtual machine, which is a lot of these, uh, I'm, I'm going to try not to get like too technical, but, uh, a lot <laughs> yeah, thank of, you. Appreciate yeah, it. <laughs> a, a lot of these, um, a lot of the blockchains are already compatible with one another. So you can move assets seamlessly from one blockchain to another. And even if you couldn't, essentially what you do is you would populate those records on a new blockchain and you would, you would burn the tokens. So burning is really just destroying them. Uh, yep. so they don't exist. And now you're citing the ownership records on a different chain. And when you create a token, it's called minting it, right? Minting mm -hmm. the token yeah. on the blockchain. So you yeah. can create and destroy. But the whole idea with the digital blockchain is as that changes possession from person to person and goes from wallet to wallet to wallet, it's recorded on a ledger. So from an accounting mm -hmm. standpoint, everything balances. It's on a ledger. And there is a history and track of ownership and proof of ownership and when you say distributed, it just means instead of it being on a centralized server, it's distributed over multiple computers across the internet. And then there's something called a gas fee to be on that blockchain, correct? Yeah, it's like a processing fee. It's a processing right? so, fee. So yeah. so these uh, computers that are verifying the information, they're called nodes. And uh, these nodes need to be incentivized to... Uh, when you're coming up with a consensus on a blockchain, it's an enormous amount of computational power. And this is where uh, where blockchain gets hit negatively with its social impact, its carbon footprint, in that it, it generates a significant amount of power to solve these very intense equations to verify the information. And, uh, and that's mostly uh, Bitcoin, because it was the first one. It, after that, with Ethereum and all the subsequent ones, they've become significantly more environmentally friendly or environmental friendly. Yeah, they're more robust, yeah. right? The, yeah. the software is more robust. It, it's, it can do it and not take as much electricity or computational power, but they're just as secure because they're a little newer. So, you know, for people that are mining Bitcoin, there's, they set it up in their in their basement of their house and they're saying, hey, I'm mining Bitcoin and I get awarded Bitcoin by solving these problems and that's how they get paid. And oh, by the way, their computer is a node on this distributed network. And, and so they're also verifying along with everybody else. So yeah. when you create your own, when you create your own blockchain, you know, who, how do you get people to sign up to be nodes? How do you get people to be on that distributed architecture? Yeah. So you incentivize them through rewarding or anything else. You can do proof of stake. There are a number of ways that it, you don't even have to do that. You, you honestly could just use Amazon or Azure to uh, to power all those nodes for you. But the, the problem with that, and honestly, you know, a lot of people talk about how blockchain is decentralized and 
uh and you know that's where a lot of the power is and, and they're not they're not wrong about that but where where there's not a lot of conversation is that because we're so early in in it right now uh it, you know there it's not as decentralized as people think it, and nor do we really want it to be decentralized right now like it is very important that we know who's operating on the blockchain who is involved especially in our world with with securities like we have to know known actors so like one of the things that where, where i feel like a lot of syndication platforms are really missing uh is that they're allowing these environments where llc's can come in and because the llc has five million dollars the llc itself is accredited and so fund managers aren't at least from what we're seeing aren't required to like they're just accepting that LLC. They're not pulling in information on who's a part of that LLC because the LLC itself is accredited. And we're seeing that there are these fund platforms that are making it very easy for them to operate like that. And that's not how it would be done on blockchain because on blockchain, uh, regardless of what the front end user interface is, it's going to know all actors. It's going to know any person that's in any LLC, regardless of the LLC is accredited uh on itself or not and so we really have a lot more power and control uh over everybody that's a part of the deal and that is uh invested with you in securities right i don't know if i kind of like went off i I, fo <laughs> I followed you and i don't know if the audience did it depends on their level of sophistication with with the technology and i guess where i'm going with this is is that we are still in our in the very I think uh, infancy. Er, infancy early of the technology, yeah. even though it's been around for 10 years. And, and so I tell people, you know, you don't want to invest into Bitcoin. Matter of fact, I think you talked about uh, Jamie Dimon's quote from J, uh, uh, JP Morgan's. Yeah. 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 How, how it's basically a Ponzi scheme, except for just maybe a select few like Bitcoin and Ethereum. but you know, everybody's coming out with their own coinage. Everybody's coming and, out with and, their including own Including them, including, including them, including yeah. them. And a lot of people are doing it too. Right. And this is yeah. one of the reasons why maybe FTX went down and I've been following the FTX and all, and, and, and you're seeing these exchanges go down. You're seeing these hedge funds go down because the market's taking a turn. So, you know, you know, what's funny about those though, those exchanges, like, yeah. like, Coinbase and FTX and Binance yeah. is is they promote they're supposed to be the leaders of this technology of Bitcoin, not a Bitcoin but of blockchain. And they don't operate on a blockchain. Like they don't operate on a public facing blockchain. They're they're using QuickBooks. <laughs> yeah. They're all I mean, they're using blockchain, but it's centralized. They're not showing like we we can't the, the whole thing is supposed to be all right. So I give you money, you're gonna collateralize that in some way and then loan it out. And then we have this huge problem with like rehypothecating these loans over and over and over where like $1 billion now turns into $70 billion because it just yeah. keeps getting rehypothecated. And you should be able to see all that on chain. You should be able to see that if you're borrowing money, where did that money come from? All the way up the line. And it, yeah, that's, and that, that's that was Kevin. the system is... Yeah, that was Kevin O'Leary's, Mr. Wonderful's uh, argument that, hey, we can audit this because it's on the blockchain and we're going to find and we're going to follow, we're going to follow the money. We're going to follow the chain and we're going to do an audit. We're going to get our money back. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, not if there's something, 
you know, illegal going on and, and unethical. And when one entity just signs a note with another one and they lend money and they're all of this backroom stuff that nobody goes about. I mean, if you go out to FTX's website, and I hate to spin off too much on this, but they just talk about it's how a, they're it's a great topic. Though. That it's is like... because it's a perfect example of how scams like made off and everything else. And it's, it's messing everybody else up in the industry, but you know, they put on their website that they're an American based company, but yet they're headquartered in the Bahamas. And I'm yeah. like, that's a lie right there. I mean, yeah. how, hard does it take to figure that out so but that's again we're getting off subject and tangents but so what's going to happen in way i see this is the person that puts together the platform that becomes the industry standard and is is basically the checks all the boxes for the government is going to take this over and what you have to do is you have to get to a point where you know the techie nerds like maybe you and me cuz i have a i'm an electrical engineer i'm i'm microsoft and cisco certified i did all that stuff uh i understand technology but for the the average person, they don't. And what all they really care about is and what it'll really take off, just like I talk about internet. Internet 1.0 was the techie geeks. Internet 2.0, all of a sudden now you have this application. You have Facebook, you have social media, you have Zoom. All of a sudden now cloud. the tech the tech, yeah. the cloud, the, it gets dumbed down to everybody can use it and you don't need to know how to write code. You don't oh, need to exactly. know how to do any of that. And then the new internet 3.0 with these technologies is when you can say, yeah, there's underlying technology and, uh, but how, how is this going to work? And I think the key is, and the way I'm interested in it is it's going to speed up the real estate transactions and it's going to allow my limited partners, my LPs in syndications and in funds to hopefully go to uh, an open exchange and with the addition of the new reggae plus, which allows non-accredited and accredited because just because you throw technology and blockchain onto something, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission still says, we don't care if you tokenize it or not, you still have to follow yeah. all, all, all of all of the requirements that you have to do because there's a difference between and this is one of the topics I wanted to cover today, what's public and what's private. So as, a, as an investor, and this is, comes back to us, it's a very big deal, public versus private. Because if you're public, if I go out and buy stocks uh, on the New York Stock Exchange or in the NASDAQ, those are publicly traded companies and you can get all of that information and, and, and the public can go out and buy it because it's regulated, it's a regulated security. Right. Mm -hmm. So what we do as syndicators or if you have a fund, um, those are then private. So we don't have to reggae do plus that still, filing. So reggae plus, yeah. reggae plus is called a mini IPO because yeah. you go to the SEC and you get authorization ahead of time. It's called a mini IPO because you're essentially on your way to going public. And by doing that. You can have up to 500 non-accredited investors. Yeah, so, and, and so, you have and you have to publicly release your financials as well. Yeah, yeah. the same thing with the Reg B or Reg D. Uh, Reg D. Yeah, five hundred six B. If you have non-accredited investors, they have to, you they have you have to divulge your financial information as well. So there still is a public aspect to to private securities. Um, I I think where you were going though, like with. Or I guess I'll let you answer the question or ask the question. Uh, ask me the question and I'll see if I can, we'll reverse it here for you. You asked what's, I mean, what well, I was we going with about, it. 
we're talking about automation, right? And and that how the information can can be publicly viewed, but private, right? So like where you can see there are X amount of investors in this deal. There are this is how much money they raised. This is the property yeah. they bought, but you don't see personal information on those individual investors. So it's it's like a private public facing well, yeah. due diligence process. I guess one of the things we talk about is is I'm a real estate guy. I like to do long-term holds. I don't like to sell. So typical syndications, and I preach this all the time, is they'll go buy a deal, value add for a new construction or whatever it is. They'll build it. They'll buy it. They'll improve it. And then they've already told their investors, we have to exit out. There's an exit strategy because we have to get an internal rate of return and IRR back to our investors and get the money back to them. I follow the infinity return model where I refinance yeah, and give the money back, but I don't sell because I don't want to have it to be a taxable event. And then you sure. have to go find another deal. So the problem I have is how do I let my investors come into a deal and exit a deal on their own without me having to sell the property. And I've had investors that have said, you know, for family reasons or what I call a life event, they have a life event, they need to get out and they have to do a private, it's private, right? They can't, they can't publicly advertise, oh, I, I, I'm a 10% owner in this apartment complex, but I need my money back. I need to get out. I can't sell the property just because one investor needs his money back because I have a fiduciary responsibility to the property and the, the group as a whole, not to one individual. So I, I will work with them and I will try to get them, you know, a new and someone to take their place or I'll buy them out or whatever it may be. But I see tokenization as an ability to make real estate more liquid so that people can come in and out of a real estate deal without me having to sell the property. And I know there's properties here in the state of Iowa that are on exchanges that you can buy fractional ownership interests in through tokenization. Um, and so, so you can do it without tokenization too, but uh, it's just easier with it. And as far as it being like a siloed sale where you can't make public offerings and uh, really it's traditionally only available to people who are in the fund, uh, you know, if, if you have a broker dealer, like we have a broker dealer on our platform, mm -hmm. uh, you can make it public, right? So, so like we, we, at the end of this year, we'll have an ATS and that is going to, um, uh, allow the secondary market to, to start trading. But this concept that, uh, tokenization brings in liquidity, there's a fundamental fundamental issue in how syndications are formed right now and how uh, they're really not formed, but operated. So yes, absolutely. Tokenization can bring in liquidity. It, the technology powers it. But if we continue to operate in siloed environments where uh, investor data isn't shared openly, meaning like if if there's another fund on platform or there's another fund on a different platform, if there's just another fund somewhere else, those investors in other deals aren't going to be made aware of that. Right. And because the right. fund, the fund operators aren't going to share that information. And I don't mean like fund operators would send another fund investor information. I mean, fund operators are, would allow their investors to see other opportunities. That's where liquidity comes from. Like it comes from users. It comes from users on platform or let's say, let's just say 
it could be many platforms on one blockchain or many platforms on many blockchains for for everybody to operate within the same system and see the same information that's what brings true liquidity but if we continue to have fund operators that uh don't allow their investors to access that database of information right. it's not going to increase liquidity we're still going to be operating the the same way where uh where we're not going to uh you know yeah there's no up. there's no public for like uh you know I've, that's I what go, makes the I stock to... market so strong right yes. it's because like anybody can go there anybody can go there anybody can buy whatever they want anybody can see everything they can see everything that's not how private securities operate so are you saying it needs to be more like let's just say back to real estate a real estate agent i work for xyz real estate agency I can list that property for sale on the MLS and that's out there for all of the other agencies to see uh, so that, you know, you can go across agencies then. Right. Uh, and attention, essentially it's kind of what a broker dealer without, again, some people would say, well, what's a broker dealer in securities? They may not know what that is. Uh, but a broker dealer is basically that licensed individual, just like a real estate agent is, that can uh, bring people in and out of securities. Uh, it's just they're, like they're largely yeah. taking responsibility of the deal, but yeah, yeah. I, and they get paid I, a commission, and they get paid, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're commission brokers, I, the broker broker the deals. Yeah, yeah. I I do see blockchain, and this is a hot. I've been told not to say this publicly. But <laughs> well, this is a it. this is a private podcast. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I believe that broker dealers are going to be phased out in the future. I don't think that their role is going to be phased out. I think blockchain automates it. Uh, the because the blockchain itself can take on, especially if you have a blockchain that takes like a fee that let's say the blockchain itself is the broker dealer and it takes like a very small fee on mm -hmm. transactions, nothing like what broker dealers take right now. Uh, and, and that goes into like a treasury that covers like any sort of costs from lawsuits and stuff. Cause this is what the broker dealer is doing. They're taking on that responsibility of the transaction saying that we know these actors that, uh, that, that this deal has no level of fraud in it because if it does, they're going to be the one on the hook for it. Like they're, they're going to, the government's going to come after them or right. uh, FINRA. You know, yeah. FINRA. Yeah. FINRA. Who's the, yeah. The agencies for investment advisors and broker dealers uh, is the governing body that the sec says they're, they're the ones. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So, you see, know, I do see fee compression happening on the broker dealer side. Uh, I do see broker dealers moving on blockchain. And, and when I say in the future, I mean, everything I'm doing right now is for four to five years from now. And that's just going to be the start of it. I, I don't see this becoming mainstream for probably like a decade. That that was my next question is what did you see as your timeline? I know you had a slide in your pitch deck there that, and I'm going to be putting some of these on uh, from your pitch deck, if, if that's okay, onto yeah. the, the the YouTube version of this where it talks about the size of the, what's the opportunity and what's the market and the size today. So here you got 2022 market size of 310 billion. Now, is that just what market size are we talking about here? This BCG paper that you talk about. Oh, uh, that's a great paper. Uh, I'm gonna have to look so, that one up. And then by 2030, it's I think 16 I can just pop trillion. Up, oh, boom. Oh, there just you go. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's not like very well centered on here. Cause, uh, there you go. Well, that's okay. Uh, so what, yeah. what market is this? Is this, is this just, 
real estate assets? Is this tokenized? Because you got in 2030, 25% of them being tokenized. Yeah, this is all, this is, this is all just uh, global assets. So global uh, assets. Yeah, so you're so, talking, so you're talking also like commodities and hedge funds and not things like that. Equity in companies, Equities, anything, yep. yeah, anything that can be tokenized, which is really just fractional ownership. Uh, so the, I mean, to tokenization is just a digital representation of yes. ownership. You can buy art, you can have pl player trading cards, you can, all kinds of things that you can tokenize as NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and yeah. we'll have a whole other thing on that. But uh, we've got about four to five minutes left here. So I don't, uh -huh. I want to try to bring it back into something that. It's going to be like an eight, eight part series. <laughs> it might, it have to be. Cause this yeah. is a, it's a huge, huge topic. It's very complex. And again, we're in the infancy and I'm extremely interested. I've only known about it for about a year or really looked at it where the aha moment kind of clicked in my head is I was at a mentorship in, in Salt Lake city and, and the speakers were talking about it and, and everybody's going gangbusters. And I believe just like I think most people in real estate that this is definitely coming and it's not just going to be real estate. It's going to be tons of things. Like I said, already uh, people are trading art. People are doing, um, uh, marketing stuff. Uh, I'm going to create an NFT uh, a ticket to my event that I'm having January 22nd yeah. that you can put hey, in your wallet. You I'll know? mint it for you. I'll, we can, I'll build it for you. Awesome. That would yeah. be awesome. That would be yeah. awesome. I'm reading a book right now. Um, all yeah, all about the NFTs and 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 so that would be awesome if I could follow up with you on that and just yeah, to, get, to get people introduced to it and understand it because. It's coming. And, you know, we're in Iowa, we're in flyover country, but on West Coast, East Coast, all the national stuff, this is the number one hot topic that's going on and, and just is. about everything, not just real estate. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I try, I try to dumb this down like quite a bit because it, it's, I think it's largely talked about right now because it's, it's like fringe science or like it's, <laughs> it's just on the, in, in the infancy of it, but Spr in, it's, fringe but it's been around for 10 years <laughs> or yeah. more <laughs> it's it's 10 it's you know in 10 years no one's going to be learning about it like they're trying to learn about it now it, it, you're really we're really just leveling up the technology we're not doing no, there's nothing crazy there's no new processes we're we're just taking antiquated technology which is the basically the entire real estate industry and we are finding a better way to a more efficient way to operate a database, right? Which is all the different ownership re uh, records, all the different records on on investors and who's coming into deals and going out of deals and what's the performance of them. So when we're looking at one of the biggest missing pieces in information right now that I think we're really gonna start seeing coming out of these funds that started like two or three years ago is that we're seeing uh, investors or fund operators getting bailed out because the market appreciated so fast where they're actually not very good operators. Like you're seeing that they're, they're technically running at a loss, but because the property appreciated 20, 25%, they're turning around, you know, yeah. a 20% IRR. And yeah. And, it's and, that, just... and that's how, that's how they're, that's how I see it every day on social media. Oh, 24%, 20%. And Ken McElroy, uh, Rick like show me your advisor. books. Like yeah. give me access to your property management data. Let me see. They, <laughs> Let me it's see not because they, 
it's not because it was well managed. It's because the the, the market had been going nuts, and now yeah. that the market's turned around, they're not going to be able to get those. They're not so going like, to be able to get those returns. That's why I'm a long term hold guy. I'm a cash flow investor. Uh, you know, the, I think I think the real estate market is going to tighten up, and I think the economy as a whole, as a business owner, everything's going to. Uh, yeah, tighten up and, so, and get crazy. So the blockchain solves all that. So like on our on our system, uh, we we are going to be launching our DCAP Plus fund, which is a fund that specifically provides capital to uh people on platform. So fund managers on platform, very easy for us to deploy capital to these to these these uh, fund operators because they're operating their fund on our platform. We know them. We know how effective they are as, as operators. Same thing. The same fund also provides liquidity to the secondary market to buy out distressed capital, like investors that, that, that need it. So I know, I know we only have a minute left, so I won't go like too deep into that. But the thing is, is with, with blockchain, we see all the data. So we know how effective these, these operators are. And, uh, and it's not just looking at the IRR. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So tell me how to get a hold of you and how to find out more information. Um, I, I, I assume that, I mean, you could drop in like my email and stuff, but you can go to decapdigitalassets.com uh, and, and you've contact got, us there. Yeah. You've got YouTube videos out there. I watched quite yeah, a few YouTube. of them. Great information on your YouTube channel. So we are <laughs> definitely going to follow back up with you and I'm going to follow back up with you on uh, minting these tickets for me. So yeah. I would appreciate that. That'd be awesome. So, yeah. um, Jared, thank you. That's a ton of information. <laughs> thank you. All right. What did you think of the interview? I thought Jared gave a lot of great information on there, and I hope that you were able to absorb some of it. So it's a really big topic, and we are in the infancy of this technology. But I truly believe that this is where real estate is going to be going in the future. There's a lot of people that are already doing it, and there's going to be adoption and acceptance across the board in the industry. So that's all I got this week. Next week, we're going to talk about the event that I held at the Cedar Rapids Public Library on January 22nd. I thought it was a great event. We covered a lot of stuff there. Uh, if you missed it, then you can check us out then in February on February 19th. Again, at the Cedar Rapids Public Library from 2 to 4 o'clock. It's going to be on a Sunday afternoon. So... Come check us out. I think you're going to want to be a part of what's going on right here in Eastern Iowa. So that's all I got. My name's Jeff Niemeyer, and this is the Student Money Podcast, and I will see you next time.